Welcome into the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark King. For the show, the Grizzlies had a back-to-back over the weekend, Saturday against the Nuggets and Sunday against the Charlotte Hornets. We'll talk about those two games on the weekend roundup and also the Monday mailbag on this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. Pull up, jump shot. Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Grizzlies, the Monday edition of the show, better late than never as I record this on Monday evening. I apologize. Uh, It's just been a long day. Had a lot of work to get to today, so I'm recording this after I've done everything. I got, got the kids to bed, but nonetheless... The Grizzlies took on the Nuggets over the weekend and the Hornets on Saturday and Sunday. John Morant and Brandon Clark played in the back-to-back, which was good to see. They got a win and a loss and split the uh, the two games. And don't look now, but the Grizzlies are only one game out of the playoffs in the Western Conference. I did not think I would be saying that at this point in the season, but here we are, and we're talking about it. And be excited about that. There are a lot of people who poo-poo the idea of, uh, getting into the playoffs and you know being excited by a team that doesn't matter, but who cares? Be excited, man! It's it's fun to watch this team play, and if they're in the playoffs this year because of uh, because of John Morant and Brandon Clark, who cares? Have fun, uh, be excited about it. I know I am. That's all. That's what this is all about: watching a team and having fun. So, uh, nonetheless, we'll talk about those two games uh, on the first and second segment of the show today. And in the last segment, we'll do the weekend roundup, or excuse me, the weekend roundup, the Monday mailbag, like we do every single week in the third segment of the show. Not too many questions this week, but we'll still tackle it in the last segment. So let's start with the Grizzlies and the Nuggets. Uh, some takeaways from this game. Uh, you know, largely the, the Nuggets, I will give the this more to the Nuggets than to the Grizzlies. They're just... Their defense is very, very good. I think it's probably one of the better defenses I've seen this year. It just it reminds me a lot of defenses when Marcus Gasol is, is kind of anchoring the defense with with Jokic out there. But Jokic is honestly just probably just a better player. Uh, but they're just their rotations are so smart and they are so good at what they do. And it's just they anticipate so well what you're trying to do against them that it really takes away anything that you're trying to do. And the Grizzlies came out in that first quarter and just got punched in the mouth by the defense. Like, they just did not understand what was happening. They just couldn't grasp the idea that every driving lane they were getting into was just getting cut off by the rotations of the bigs and rotations of the weak side help. Like, everything they did, everything they tried to do, just wasn't working. Led to a lot of just unforced, really, turnovers that were just – you know, just dumb turnovers in the first quarter ended up being a 26 to 11 first quarter for the Grizzlies. I mean, outside of that, once they kind of calmed down and understood that, you know, they just took it kind of possession by possession, it was a little bit better for the Grizzlies. They they did a lot of better things, especially in the second and third quarter. And honestly, 
throughout the rest of the game, it only being a nine point game at the end of the, at the end of the game, it was a much bigger game than that. But you know, at the end of the game, it wasn't that far off. That first quarter just really killed him. I mean, you can't have an eleven point quarter uh, and let the other team have twenty six and, and really expect to have a comeback. I and mean, they got it, you know, back to single digits here and there. But you know, it's so hard to come back in the NBA once you get to single digits. It's just even more difficult to get to even. And once you get to even, it's even more difficult to get that lead. So, just really dug themselves a hole. But again, I credit that more to the Nuggets, really to the Grizzlies. It's just something the Grizzlies have not seen all year long. They're such a good defense. And so I, I'm just really, really impressed with the Nuggets and the way they were able to play. Like they you the way they utilize Jokic in their high screen is something I wish the Grizzlies would, would do with with Jonas Valanciunas. Jokic is not a guy that's athletic and can really, you know, sprint back to spots. But what they do with him is actually just flash him super quick. I mean all he does is just just stops that turning the corner of the high screen real quick and then kind of gets back to his man. It just enough where it lets the guard get back to his man as well. Let's Jokic get back to his man. And before, you know, Jokic can even uh, really have an issue with his big running away, the weak side help is already swinging over to anticipate that kind of the roll pass, roll man. So like this, the, the defensive scheme, it's so, so good. I wish, I hope the Grizzlies watch that tape of that game and go, okay, let's, let's pick out some things that we want to implement out on our side of things, because I think you can do that with Jonas Valanciunas. I think you can flash him high. You don't have to like hang, hang him out up there to dry, to be on the perimeter to get, to get blown by. Cause that's really, I think the fear is that Jonas Valanciunas cannot stay with wings on the perimeter. You don't have to have Jonas high and hang him out there for three or four minutes at a time to put him on an island or anything like that to be effective in what you're trying to do in that high screen. So I hope they watch that tape. I hope they see some things that they like in that defensive scheme and they try to implement those with the Grizzlies. Other things that I thought were impressive was DeAnthony Melton, six for nine, one for three from the field, or one for three from three, 17 points, four rebounds, an assist, two steals, a block. Uh, just, I mean, I think DeAnthony Melton has cemented himself in this rotation, and it is so refreshing to see uh, some of these young guys play, especially, you know, Brandon Clark, DeAnthony Melton, guys who were not super high picks, but you know they've hit on those guys because DeAnthony Melton is not leaving the rotation anytime soon, and he is a quality quality basketball player that you got for giving away Javon Carter. And I think that's just a heck of a trade in retrospect as well as the, the Mike Holland trade. But that right there, I think is just, uh, that's going to be really, really good. When we look, I think when we look up in the end of the year and Anthony Melton's played a lot of minutes for this, uh, for this basketball team, I think we're going to look up at the end of the year and go, wow, I cannot believe that they let that kid go. Uh, and you know, sometimes, and I say this a lot, but sometimes it really is about the system. It really is about the player and how they flourish in different people's systems. And Taylor Jenkins' offense is is a really, really potent offense. And we talked about this, some media members and myself over the weekend, that whenever Taylor Jenkins gets that wing, if he ever if he ever gets a pure shooting wing, man, uh, look out because that is a that is a potent offense and something that can be really, really scary, really deadly. But DeAnthony Melton, I think, has submitted himself as a rotation player for this Grizzlies team. I think it's it's it obviously is a bit of a struggle right now trying to get all those players in with also pulling Solomon Hill, Jay Crowder. Uh, I think those might those things might remedy themselves here shortly 
coming up on the trade deadline. Now it depends on what you get back from those guys. If you get actual, you know, NBA players, rotation players back, you want to go to want to blow those people as well and play those players as well. So it just depends on what you get back from those guys. If it's just picks, then that kind of stuff remedies itself and you get more minutes for Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones, Anthony Melton, all that kind of stuff, uh, Grayson Allen as well. So it just depends on what you get back for those players, if it will indeed remedy itself altogether because coaches are going to want to play vets no matter what, and you're not going to play just a team full of kids. So nonetheless, the Anthony Bell has re-cemented himself in the rotation as well. Hopefully they get more minutes for him. Uh, even more, he had eight, he had, excuse me, 13. He did all that in 13, 17 points, all that in 13 minutes the other night against the Nuggets, which is just impressive to me. He continues to impress me uh, throughout this season. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll talk about the Hornets game coming up after the break. Welcome back to the show. Again, the Hornets took the Hornets on last night, uh, the FedEx Forum, and the Hornets are bad at basketball. I mean, they are really, really bad at basketball because the Grizzlies' defense just did not, like, magically get them really, really impressive overnight. I mean, it was much better. Don't get me wrong. The Grizzlies' defense was much, much better against the Hornets, but the Hornets are just so bad. It really and truly, they're just so bad at basketball. So um, I didn't take too much away from what they were able to do against the Hornets. They just don't – they got a lot of young players. They got a lot of guys that are playing a lot of minutes, a lot of heavy minutes that maybe shouldn't play a lot of heavy minutes. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Nonetheless, it was a fun game. It was an exciting game for the Grizzlies. Uh, John Morant, I thought, was someone that continued to struggle from the uh, from the field. Uh, he saw that a little bit in the Nuggets game. He only had 16 points when we're used to having him you know, 20 and 25. I consider that struggling for John Morant. And I saw a lot of uh, talk about this on social media last night as well as watching the game. And here's the thing about John Morant is that he attracts a lot of attention. When you're as good as he is, when he scores as much as he does in the fourth quarter, you're going to attract a lot of attention. And that's just the way it is. And if you're going to be a superstar in this league, which John Morant will be, you're going to attract a lot of attention. You're going to attract different schemes. You're going to attract different uh, defenses. They're going to throw lots of different things at you to try to slow you down because obviously that is their goal. And so I think this is a period of transition where teams are getting a lot of tape on John Morant. They're getting uh, a lot of film to what he can and can't do, you know, what his strengths, what his weaknesses are, especially in the fourth quarter, what is he, what is his go-to moves, those type of things. So the more film you get, the, the, the more the year goes on, uh, the, the easier it is, not easier, but the better teams are going to scout him and scheme for him. And so this is going to be a process in this middle part of the year, what teams start to do with him as far as defensively and how they play him, but also how does John Matt respond to that? How is he able to respond to those uh, certain blitzes, certain you know uh, uh, icing the pick, all those type of things that the teams are going to do to him, you know, doubling him if they need to, all those things they're going to do to him. What is he going to do to respond? Uh, he had seven assists in this game. The Nuggets game, he had eight assists. So, or excuse me, yeah, he had eight assists in the Nuggets game. So he's still able to contribute in those ways. But John Martin has to score the basketball. He didn't have to score against the Nuggets, but generally speaking, I think John Martin has to score the basketball, has to be in those double digits at least every game for the Grizzlies to have a chance. He's one of the most potent offensive weapons, if not the most potent offensive offensive weapon that the Grizzlies have. So he'll have to figure it out. And the teams are going to start to scheme for him. They're going to do different things. They're going to show him different defenses all the time. So what he does you know, off the ball, what he does without the ball, what he does assisting, all those type of things 
are, are going to contribute what he's going to be, you know, overall long term as an NBA player. You know, can he adapt? Can he, you know, can he pull out another trick? Just like think about like James Harden. He has always continually pulling out another trick, another bag, you know, another trick out of his bag to to beat defenses. When you think you have him beat, he does something different. And so Jerome Rant's the same way, especially guards are going to have to always kind of reinvent themselves and have different moves, different things they can go to to beat the defense. So I think it's just something to note. Not that I think he's playing bad. I just think it's something to watch and to note how he, what he does against different defenses across the board coming up in this middle part of the season. Uh, DeAnthony, or excuse me, Grayson Allen had a really good game last night, 15 points, 3 for 9 from 3, 4 for 11. I talked to, to – uh, Grayson Allen, if you heard the post-game sound that I already posted on the podcast channel, if not, go check it out. It's all the audio from all the game last night. Grayson Allen talked a little bit about the offense and what kind of his role is. Um, and he just said it's it's just it, finding open shots. And it's really easy to find open shots whenever you got plays like JJJ, JV, and you got players like John Morant throwing you the basketball. I mean, Grayson Allen, though, if he can continue to shoot like this, like, I mean, he's he's a legitimate NBA player. If, if that's what is you know, even at three, you know, just three for nine. I know that doesn't sound like a really good percentage, but that's quality. His shots are, you know, and a lot of those shots I thought were going in. He should have been more like six for nine because there were a lot of shots that were in rhythm, really good three point shots for him. But that's like that's what they need him to do with John Morant driving with all this 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 motion offense that is continual continual drive and kick. That's what he has to do is find places for him to be open to be able to shoot the basketball well. I thought he did a great job of that against the Hornets the other night. I want to see more of him. I want to see more of him and John Morant play together. Uh, we only got to see it a little bit last night. And not that Ty Jones isn't a great passer. Ty Jones is, is great in his own right as far as finding open people. And that's such a, I mean, you can't imagine. That's such a, a really a huge thing in the NBA to have. Two guards, two point guards that are running your offense, and John Morant and Ty Jones that can pass the ball as well as they can and see the court as well as they can. Because if you have shooters like Grayson Allen who are going to continue to find ways to get open, who are continue to find ways to be open when inside the offense, not just coming down the, the court and taking a terrible three, uh, like a la Jay Crowder, if you're just going to find yourself open, He's going to get open shots like with, with John Morant and Tyus Jones out there all the time. But I would like to see more of John Morant and Grayson Allen out on the court together just because I, I, I like the combination. I like what it brings. I don't think we'll ever really get a whole lot of time with those two together just because of their kind of minutes and roles on the team. But I think it's something I would really like to see. Uh, speaking of Jay Crowder, he didn't play last night. And Kyle Anderson started, still only got 13 minutes. I don't really know what the Kyle Anderson situation is. I asked Kyle after the game. If he was dealing with an injury, he is dealing with a bit of heel soreness. Uh, the, the kind of thing, same thing has been bothering him the whole time. But he said it didn't. It's it's more annoying than it is anything else. It's not like it's not like affecting his play. It's not like he's going out there and he is. You know, it, the reason is is not. It's not reason his limit minutes are getting limited, if you will. It's not affecting his play out there. It's more annoying than anything else. So still, 13 minutes after starting, I thought it was kind of a bit weird for Grayson Allen, but the minute distribution was better last night than it was uh, throughout the throughout the. Uh, excuse me, I was looking at the wrong box score. Kyle Anderson, 22 minutes. 
Wrong box score. Apologize for that, guys. I thought that was a bit weird as I'm talking about it. I'm like, that's weird. Yes. Kyle Anderson, 22 minutes. 13 was from Denver. 22 minutes last night after starting. Still had six points. Uh, three for 10 from the field. Five rebounds. Or excuse me, nine rebounds. Two assists. Uh, block shot. I thought he was really good in his minutes. Uh, at one point, he had like a bunch of that stuff in just five minutes, which is, which is insane, which is what you expect from Kyle Anderson. Like, just that's what you come to know from Kyle Anderson is is getting all, you know, kind of doing all the little things. You don't have to necessarily score to be effective, and that's why I hope he continues to get minutes, you know, like he did last night. Minutes really were distributed pretty evenly without Jay Crowder on the floor. Brandon Clark, 25. DeAnthony Melton, 23. Tyus Jones, 19. Uh, Grayson Allen, 25. Solomon Hill, 21. So, this, for the bench side of things, there's really – a, a, a much better distribution. And you saw that because of no Drake Cowder. Like I mentioned before, that kind of stuff will work it out, work itself out. Once you get some of those guys out of the mix that not necessarily be in the mix long-term. And so there's just more minutes to go around because Jay Carter is normally playing 25 to 27 minutes a night. And it's just a lot of extra minutes to go around for players, especially if you don't add an extra player in there. So you take one of those players, put them on the starting lineup and on the bench. And there you go. You have more more minutes for everyone. So I wish that were the norm personally. And I think it will remedy itself come trade deadline. But again, that all depends on what you get back for the trades you're going to make. We'll take one more quick break. We'll be back. We'll talk about the Monday mailbag coming up in the last segment of the show. Welcome back to the show. Talking Monday mailbag like we do in every single third segment of the Monday show. Again, if you're not familiar with the Monday mailbag segment, or if you're new to the show, this is where we answer all your questions in this segment. So make sure you send those questions throughout the week. Uh, if you have a question as you're watching a game, just DM me those questions on Twitter at King underscore producer or the show at Locked on Grizz. Either one of those things, you can DM this to me throughout the entire week and we'll answer those shows on Monday. Nonetheless, I guess we'll get to it. The first question comes from at Calder Arg. I don't know if I'm saying that correct, but he says, do you still think the Crowder gets traded? Is his reputation from Dallas slash Boston days still enough for a draw to ignore bad shooting, etc.? Yeah, I, th- I think that Jay Crowder still gets going. It's going to get traded. I'm going to do a bigger show on trades and what the Grizzlies should go out and do. But Jay Crowder should get traded. So should Andre Iguodala. But I think that Jay Crowder still has. You know, he's he's useful. He's a useful wing to a lot of different teams. You know, he's a decent defender, and I think there are teams that are going to be interested in, in his services now. I don't know if what you're going to get back from Jay Crowder. And again, we're going to do a much bigger trade episode, probably maybe this week, maybe beginning next week. I'm trying to get everything together and figure out different trades, maybe eight or nine trades that I think the Grizzlies should do. Uh, and then we'll probably do another episode that trades the just kind of what it on what they're going to get for Andre Iguodala. So two separate trade episodes with what they should go out and get uh, actively seek. And maybe, you know, there's there's two because there's two different trade scenarios for the Grizzlies. Like, what should they be actively seeking? So, like, should they be going out and looking for a a player of a certain caliber to bring onto this roster? Would it cost them a Dylan Brooks? Maybe. But should they go out and do that is what, you know, is one question. And the second question is, what can you get from guys you're going to actively try to sell, which is Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, Andre Iguodala? Like, what are those guys going to get you? And I think there are teams that are definitely interested in Andre Iguodala. He's one of the few players that has consistently shown to be able to stop LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, those type of guys. Uh, but I think that Jay Crowder is also a guy that uh, you can probably go out and shop and get. You can get something for Jay Crowder. Now, his his salary is not a whole lot. You have to match. So, you know, it's only $7.5 million that, you, that his salary is. You don't even have to match all that. So, 
you know, you don't have to really have a huge deal to get rid of Jay Crowder, but you got to get something for Jay Crowder. You know, you can't let him walk away. He's not part of the long-term plans. Uh, even if it's a second-round pick, you like consider that a win and you just move on. Because at this point, Jay Crowder is a positive asset in the fact that you got him for practically nothing. You 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 was kind of the filler to make the money work in the Mike Conley trade. You know, the other stuff was the Grayson Allen and the pick and all that all that other stuff. And Jay Crowder is just something you got to make the money work. So at this point, it's a little bit of like Andre Iguodala. If you got you know, I think they're going to get more than a second round pick for Andre Godala, but if, if that's all you got for him, then you still win because it's still an asset. And whether people will tell you all the time that a second round pick's not a good asset in the NBA, but that's not true because they are used to get deals done all the time to get deals done gone across the finish line. If teams are just kind of iffy, they go, okay, we'll throw in our second round pick. And sometimes that's just what gets deals done. So uh, people who tell you that, you know, second round picks aren't currency or just it's just not true so that that said you you have to trade Crowder for something he would definitely get traded 100% I don't know what for at this point I'd still look into it but I think there are teams that would want him I think there are teams that uh would would pay for him I just don't know how much they're willing to pay but again if you get a second round pick for Jay Crowder you still win that trade either way and it doesn't really matter for the Grizzlies because he's going to walk away at the end of the year no matter what Second question and only other question of the mailbag is from Parker Fleming of Grizzly Bear Blues. He asked a kind of a fun question last night. Start, bench, cut, Grayson, Melton, or Brooks? And this is a play on the, uh, I guess, the uh, marry, kill, have sex, you know, that that game. Um, so start, bench, cut, Grayson, Melton, Brooks. If I'm having to cut somebody, I will probably so – let's, let's let's go with a start. I will probably um, – probably start Dylan Brooks. I'd probably, uh, I don't know if it means come off the bench or bench them and not play them. I'm going to assume it means come off the bench. So I would say, uh, D'Anthony Milton, then I'll probably cut Grayson Allen, even though I don't want to do that. But I think that D'Anthony Milton's got more long-term power to be an NBA player than Grayson Allen does. But that's, I mean, I think they both have pretty much the same, you know, it's kind of a toss up there. So that's the answer. It's probably not the right answer, and I'm sure you could cut that three different ways, and it'd be you make an argument for any of those type of any of those players to be in any of those slots, and it kind of still wins. So, nonetheless, that's the show for the day. Make sure you get those questions in every single week. We do the Monday mailbag again. You can DM those questions to me on Twitter. You can email them to me if you don't want if you don't do the Twitter uh, at lockedongrizz at gmail.com. I still take questions that way as well. So just make sure you get those questions in every single week so we have something to talk about in the third segment of the show today. We'll be back tomorrow with Amari Sankofa. We'll be back on the regular schedule for our Tuesday show. So look out for that. We'll talk to him about all things Grizzlies tomorrow. Make sure you go and subscribe to the show as well. If you've not already, whatever podcast platform you're using, if that's Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, or Apple iTunes, if you're in Apple iTunes, make sure you go leave a review. Rate the show. It really helps us out. I'd really appreciate it if you did that. See you tomorrow talking with Amari Sankofa.